1: Hello and welcome to the 1912 Exiles podcast, the Newport County podcast made by the fans for the fans. I'm Ed, I'm joined by Mr. Jamie Harris. Hello. Hello, Jamie. Uh, still sunkissed and recovering from that uh, lovely sunny day out at Gillingham, which we will come to shortly. Uh, so we're going to catch up on uh, the Gillingham game, which Jamie attended, and we'll also touch on the defeat at uh, home to Harrogate. It's been a, a Jekyll and Hyde week uh, for Newport County, and what's been a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde? season, not just in terms of how we did under Robry versus how we've done under Coco, but also our home and away form, which I should imagine we're going to dwell on for some of the podcast. Um, I saw a stat that suggested that in terms of away form, we're kind of eighth highest in the league over the course of the season and our home form has, would have us in the relegation zone. Um, so yes, there's certainly some food for thought there. But as it's fresh in our memory, Jamie, you were one of the 300-odd, was it, who... Uh, did battle with the rickety away stand at Gillingham. So first of all, did you remember to take your high vis and your hard hat? And how did you all get on?
2: Uh, Four hundred nineteen of us actually. Um, was it? it was uh, a yeah, cracking, cracking um, turnout uh, for the last home, uh, last away game of the season. Um, I did take my hard hat um didn 't take my sunscreen uh very much uh facing got a very pink neck um yeah. it 's one of those uh you know the first sort of sunny day of the year where you just completely forget you don 't know how to dress for it um and then yeah you just get yep. uh terrible terrible sunburn at the end of it but glorious day it was um the away end a lot sturdier than um you certainly made it out you you were warning me and and scaring me but um i didn't i didn't venture too far up the um the stand so um yeah i I sort of played it safe um but yeah you know what it was a fantastic day out fantastic away performance fantastic away day it really felt like i mean for, for me it was a new new town and new ground so it was all those new experiences um but it was coupled with a genuinely really professional away performance you know we 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 battled hard in the first half and you 'd have to say Gillingham probably shaded that first half even though we went ahead um with a you know a great great you know, work corner to the back post um cam Norman popping up with yet another goal um I love that we you know we've we 've got goals all over the pitch yeah um the the, 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 penalty, um, I, I saw a lot of, a uh, um, our lot, uh, complaining about it. Probably was a penalty, um, on, on sort of second look, um, just tripped. And then, you know, Townsend a bit unlucky, went the right way, got a hand to it. But, um, yeah. yeah. And then Gillingham really grew into the game, uh, in that first half. And yeah, they had a few chances, but, uh, coming back to, you know, pr- really professional away performance, we dealt with it really well. We looked fairly solid at the back, you know, they, they, they had a few chances in the box and and they didn't quite get their shots away but other than that we we sort of mopped up those those efforts and that first half you know we were probably happy to go in at one all um but then second half we grew into the game and it was it was wonderful to see us sort of grow get a bit of sustained pressure um, you know, have we had plenty of set pieces, and then finally one of them paid off. Bogle managed to hook it into the net. Um, and yeah, af- after that we were we were sort of the team team that were going to get the points in the end, and Gillingham didn't really look like equalising. Um, and yeah, glorious afternoon in the sunshine.
1: So there's a couple of players I want to ask about. So first of all, Nick Townsend, who got the nod in goals ahead of uh, Joe Day. I think the consensus is probably that he, he may well be one who leaves in the summer and looks for first-team opportunities. But I don't know, certainly amongst a lot of the fans I speak to, uh, there's a slight feeling that Townsend's probably the better keeper. And But for some reason, managers seem to stick with Joe Day, whether that's because of what, what he does in training or kind of professionalism or, you know, who knows. But how did you rate Townsend's performance? Did you think he kind of um, made a bold claim for getting that, that number one shirt next season?
2: Um, yeah, I thought he played well. Again, like I say, very unlucky with the penalty. Um, can't really blame him for that. Um, and then I tell you what, there was one fantastic chance that Gillingham had. Um, it sort of like skirted to the back post. I think, it, um, it was given a foul in then, so I don't think it would have counted, but it was a point blank save, Tanton scrambling across to his back post and, and making that save. Um, yeah, he looked great. Um, and you know, his distribution was decent. Um, and he, yeah, just looked fairly solid at the back. He wasn't, I have to say, at Gillingham, like, particularly second half I don't think he was seriously tested um, but yeah he didn't really put a foot wrong um, at the weekend so yeah I I always liked him I always liked the look of him um, despite being small in stature he always uh, is, you know, seems like a great shot stopper and seems like a fairly decent you know distribution or you know solid distribution for a league two goalkeeper anyway
1: yeah I, I, I would agree with all of that um, and I guess we'll see what the next few weeks hold but wouldn't surprise me if he gets the nod the crew game as well so that he can yeah have that Question, chance to I mean, make his claim
2: were you surprised when you saw because obviously you were at Harrogate on Tuesday and mm. you've been to a few more recent home games were you surprised to see day dropped or maybe it was just
1: I would have dropped day a few weeks back I think um just because I think if you look at the number of goals that we've conceded um and the manner of some of them You know, I thought against Mansfield, there was one where, you know, I'm not saying he he could have saved it necessarily if he'd rushed out, but he kind of stayed on his line and perhaps a different goalkeeper on a different day might have tried to come out and close the angle. Just, you know, little things where you thought, I don't know, I feel as though the point of having two good goalkeepers is that if one of them has a bad run of form or, you know, a couple of bad games that you can bring the other guy in. Um, so it didn't surprise me that Townsend got the chance against Gillingham, but I, I think I would have maybe given him a go a few a few weeks back. You know, the point manage, managers always say, "Oh, we want to have two good goalkeepers pushing each other," but then the number of times they will stick with one over the oh. other, despite them having a poor run, that they wouldn't if it was another position on the pitch. I find I find it a little frustrating.
2: Yeah, I think the thing is with goalkeepers, it's very much a confidence game, isn't it? So yeah, if you're dropping, yeah. if you're dropping a keeper after you know, a couple of bad performances, maybe you, you're more inclined to give them a longer run in the team. Cause as soon as they're dropped, you know, they know why they've been dropped and then they yeah you know, are working very hard to get themselves back in. So I'm actually of the view that. You probably don't want two genuine first-choice goalkeepers as well. I know they both can't be first-choice, but two goalkeepers that could call themselves first-choice because of that reason. I think you're sort of denting the one's confidence as soon as he hits a bad patch of form.
1: And and speaking of players being um, stuck with during bad patches and it paying off, let's talk about Omar Bogle, uh, who... Uh, scored again on Saturday, and now I think I think I'm right in saying he's like joint fifth top scorer in the fourth division, which um, uh, I think is vindication of his belief in his own abilities and the fact that managers clearly believe in his abilities as well. So um, I will wax lyrical about his performance on Tuesday. But ha- what did you think of his performance yeah. on Saturday?
2: He was great. I loved it. He, um, yeah, he didn't really stop um, all game. He was was harassing that back line. Um, his hold up play he linked well with um, uh, guys down the wing as well. I thought um, he he's got 15 goals this season, and yeah, like you say, oh. joint joint fifth. And I think we forget that it's very rare to have like someone like Dom Telford um, yeah. Or, yeah, or, yeah. or the like in that level. You know, fifteen to, yeah, fifteen goals a season is a decent return for a striker. Um, and then if you have another one who gets ten plus, then then you're you know, you're laughing, aren't you? Yeah, we we're probably. <laughs> The people who are watching the lights of um, our Norwegian friend Erling Haaland in the Premier League, getting you know, <laughs> a goal goal every other minute. You know, um, I think we forget that you know, fifteen is a decent return. Yeah, and
1: if you look in all competitions, you know, he's he's. Uh, I think he scored one or two in the cup competitions as well. You know, who's to say he won't get another goal or two on Saturday against Crew? You know, he's he's. There's a good chance that he'll be um, closer to. 20 than to to 15 in terms of all competitions by the end of the season. Uh, And I think, again, if you're um, Coco and you're starting to think about next season, you know, it feels to me as though we've got the spine of a a team there because, you know, you're going to build your defence around Mickey Dimitriou as uh, club captain. You know, Charles Lee in midfield, I think, is now the. The key figure and then you go right we've got Bogle up front let's find the right partner for him and, and I think I might have said it on this podcast before but I think there's an emerging school of thought that I strongly agree with that we haven't always used Bogle in the right way because he's big because he's strong we tend to sometimes use him as a target man but I don't think that's his game really you know what we need to do is find a big strong target man to play with Bogle, and then Bogle can do the, the kind of Telford stuff, being the fox in the box, which it seems to me that's, that's what he does best. But he's been asked to play, be- you know, because of lack of other options, he's been asked to play a role that perhaps wouldn't be what he would naturally choose. And that perhaps has been why he's had some dips in form here and there.
2: He's great at running at defenders, actually, you know, when he gets the when he's able to not like be the one who's holding it up, when he gets to turn and run at the defense um yeah, he looks fantastic, and yeah, I think you're right. I think we haven't quite found the right strike partner for him, the right support for him. um I think McNeil and Kavanaugh are great young players. I'm sure they'll go on to have decent careers. They don't quite fit the mold of what we need um mm-hmm. to support Bogle and I think that's what Cocker really has to sort of look at over the summer who can he bring in I don't think a young lad running tirelessly is what we necessarily need I think it's useful but I think yeah they, they just end up running down alleyways and then Bogle still feels a bit isolated that's that's yeah. probably what I I feel with with him but yeah he was he was great the weekend I'm fully to serve the goal um yeah it was great to see him get the winner
1: and and one other question about personnel from saturday I, I think there was a text in the whatsapp group that you sent about will evans and uh his performance at left wing back so i don't know whether you want to just say a few words on that because for me that's been one of the interesting things to watch in the last part of the season is can we um turn will evans into a really good left wing back who is defensively sound and also an attacking threat
2: yeah i think he's he still feels quite raw. Um, I think he he does get stuck in. He you know get he he keeps on running. It, honestly, watching him because he played left wing back when uh, the opening game of the season at Sutton, and that game as well he didn't stop running. Um, and you could see it was it was a hot old day, and he he you know gets red cheeked and puffy <laughs> in in the face. You know, so um, you could tell he's uh, really huffing and puffing and doing everything he can. What I was thinking about Saturday at Gillingham was that he won the ball back in sort of fairly decent you know positions up the pitch down that left wing and he started several counters, probably about four maybe in five counters in that first half um which uh you know d- they didn't necessarily come to anything although they you know he managed to get a corner out of it. I think he needs to maybe get another goal or two in his game for a season or yeah. get get you know sap a few more goals because there's a lot of effort and energy that he expends. But obviously the the stats don't necessarily show just how well he's done, to be honest with you. Um,
1: Well, I I mean, also in terms of stats, I just just had a quick look now. And there's two facts that interest me. One is that his middle name is Albert, which, you know, you don't get many Alberts these days. Um, And second stat that interests me is that for a a player playing his first full season in professional football, he's played or appeared in 44 games this season, which is an awful lot for... Uh, yeah, a young man, all right, he's played quite a lot of football, you know, for Ballor and Cardiff Met and stuff at a, at a decent um, standard. But to come in and have your first season as a full-time professional in the Football League and to play 40 or games, I think that is testament to his work rate and the fact that managers, um, you know, the three managers a season, Robry, Cocco and, and Hatswell in between times, all see there a player who is versatile, works really hard has different things he can offer you in terms of set pieces and everything else um i i completely agree with you there he's still a little raw there's there's stuff he needs to do i think particularly on his set pieces actually i think he could be a, a big threat if uh, if he improved just by you know 10 15 on the quality of his set set pieces but and, and yeah dead um you're right as well goals has also been the thing that has been conspicuously lacking but both of those are things that you would expect him to improve on and kick on with over the summer um, going into that sort of second season. And I I, I think he's, partly because of his versatility, a really big asset to us.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's why they love him. Because, you know, like I say, he'd playing left wing back. He's been playing up top, um, you know, a bit further forward as well. So, yeah, the versatility is what managers like. Yeah, I think he, he you know, gives us all. He's a big lad as well. He can get stuck yeah, in. Yeah. Um, and you say you know quality of his set pieces, but maybe he should be you know getting on the end of some of those set pieces as well, um, yeah, yeah so I think like that will come, you know those goals that that bit of maturity, that bit of nouse as well will come with age and with more experience, but yeah, I'm quite surprised as well that he's played in forty four of the games, so um, yeah, fair play to him. I really hope he kicks on though, um, I think yeah. maybe he needs to find uh you know the position that he's going to play for his career because i think when you're young and you're you're getting put all over the pitch i think you can then maybe lack some of that sort of specialism that comes with being you know a, you know an experienced fullback or an experienced winger or something so mm. but you know he's got plenty of time on his side um yeah i'm really hope he kicks on yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah
1: right well we've talked about mr hyde let's talk about dr jekyll and that
2: uh
1: <laughs> that that defeat at home to harrogate on Tuesday night. It was funny. I was, I chatted to a few people before and during the game, and we, we all kind of thought, oh, this will be one. We could, we could really fill our boots here now. We're, um, the number of like false dawns we've had where we've had, you know, great performances and wins away from home. And then we come into a home game against a team we think we should beat and then really struggle. And, you know, we scored after a couple of minutes. And I was thinking, right, here we go. How many are we going to score? Is this going to be, yeah, cricket score kind of territory? And then blow me down, we're 2 1 down after like nine minutes. Um, i think the thing that really i found really dispiriting wasn't just that we conceded cheaply straight after scoring um but also it didn't really feel like we made harrogate work very hard to get their goals you know there is this like soft underbelly um and i don't i, I still can't put my finger on it and I, I guess it it must be driving Coughlin mad because he presumably can't put his finger on it either you know you look at that back line there was no reason why they should be conceding cheap goals. That's a that's a decent um, experience backline. All right, you've got Countryfile Baker in there, but he's seen to be a, a good prospect. And yet we switch off. And it's part of a, a kind of endemic issue we've had all season with our home form. And I don't know, I've seen a few people trying to work it out and explain it and theorise what's behind it. I, whether it's just... That away from home, we can play Cochrane's natural preferred style of making ourselves hard to beat. Um, we can we can sit back, soak up pressure, um, and it, you know if we then on the break get something, then then great. Whereas at home, we are under that bit more. There's more expectation that we go out and try and win a game, and we, we seem to struggle with that. But the thing that really riled me on Tuesday, you know, the whole point of Cochrane is you go out, you nick a goal, and then you parked the bus and yet we scored a goal after a couple of minutes it was like oh we don't know what to do with, with this we scored too early you know and and then yeah end up going behind and chasing the game um and even yeah when we got back to two all i I just sort of felt well yeah there is a chance we we are going to concede and 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 we did so I don't know what what did you make of it yeah afar?
2: Uh, yeah it, it's funny isn't it because yeah like you say we we get a bit worried if we if we if we go ahead too early we seem to struggle with um, controlling the game while being in front, I think we can say a lot for for the weekend's performance and some of the away performances, which which have been sort of professional jobs done and controlling mm-hmm. a game from a different. Yeah, you know, we we controlled the game second half and then got the goal what seventy fifth minute or something like that, and and then we knew how to see the game out. But I think when, yeah. when it's too early, when we're two up in the first half, um, it's not been many times it's happened, to be fair. But when <laughs> We you know, did when it, it well against been.
1: Hartlepool. Yeah, against Hartlepool, we were 2-0 up at half-time. Yeah. And you thought, well, there's no dangerous losing here. But Hartlepool were abject.
2: Yeah, I feel like that back line, that's, yeah, because I'm in my notes as well, I've said, like, it's, it's the kind of back line where you look at it, when they're playing well, you think... This is one of the best defenses in the league. They're fantastic. They look solid. They're all big guys. They, you know, don't take any prisoners. But then yeah, there are far too many soft goals, whether it's just after mm. we've gone ahead, whether it's two minutes in just before halftime. Um, there's far too <laughs> there are far too many, you know, moments in the game where I feel, yeah, we're definitely gonna concede, because it's always just before halftime. It's always right at the death or mm. something. And we just switch off. And I think if if maybe one of them or two of them are just having a bit of an off day or switch off, then everything crumbles. Like if, yeah. if Mickey's not having the best game, it's not that he's not supported by the other back line. It's that I don't know. It just feels like the confidence just disappears.
1: I know afterwards, I think Joe Dunn said that you know, there was, there's issues around tiredness. And I do get that with the defense. Again, they they played an awful lot of games. If you look at Norman Dimitriou, um, uh, yeah, it, there's there've been a lot of matches that they've they've had to do, and in the latter end of the season, we've had a lot of Saturday Tuesdays or you know bank holiday weekends and stuff where there's been back to back games. And I, I do understand that that's an issue. But having said that, we actually have had a slightly larger squad this season than I think many of us were expecting. Um, oh, sorry, I've just been distracted. A fox has just walked across the uh, <laughs> the road that I'm I'm sat overlooking at my in-laws don't see that very often, Uh, Fox in the Box. Um, Back to Omar Bogle, which is where I was going with this. So, you know, we've got this this sort of relatively um, large squad and yet, um, yeah, find ourselves conceding because players are tied. But if you're Omar Bogle, you must be gutted that you score two goals and then defensive, yeah, people switching off in defence and and losing concentration means you end up losing (laughs) a game 3-2. Because he, yeah, he took his brace really well against Harrogate um, and must have been fuming to go in. You know, not having got anything from the game.
2: Yeah, it's such a weird one. Um, and to be honest with you, I've kind of been saying this for a couple of seasons now where we we just look a little bit soft, you know, at that exterior outer shell of like, you know, big, you know, the the hard men or the people who like winding up or getting, you know, the physical players, you know. Mm. How many times you've seen the likes of, you know, James Clark getting, you know, getting the uh, opposition shirt and that. So you feel like, oh, yeah, they're not gonna take any nonsense. But it just happens a little bit too often, and mm. I don't, I can't put my finger on it at all.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think that's you know it, it's an obvious challenge, but but trying to address some of that over the summer, I think, will be uh, the big the big thing that we seek to go out and do. And I, I mean, I've also thought it's interesting in the last few games that we've we've seen a few yeah fringe players getting um, a chance to kind of show what they can do. So you know, we talked about Townsend getting his. Going goal um james white i thought did his cause no harm at all against uh Harriger. He, he full of industry full of running actually did an awful lot of getting back and covering in defense which you know isn't necessarily the first thing that you think of with james white but um uh, i think he, he probably impressed quite well i don't know how you thought he did against gillingham
2: yeah he was all right actually again yeah like like his. His usual thing—he's everywhere. He's, he's all po- always popping up, whether it's closing down at the back or, or like you say, covering in midfield, playing a slightly deeper role. I still think when he does win the ball back, he kind of he gets like a little excited. He's like, all oh, right, right, back now! Right, let's go, let's go and counter!" And then he kind of like runs into one of the opposition players. It yeah, sort of yeah, happened yeah. a few times, and then the attack breaks down. But
1: the flip side of that is, and this is the thing that I do like about him is he wants to make stuff happen, and I think we earlier on in the season, perhaps contrasted him with um, Sam Bowen and said, you know, mm. Bowen gets the ball and, and often he'll play the simple sideways pass or back to the defender. James Waite gets it and you're right, there's that like puppy-like enthusiasm of, right, I've got it, I want to go and attack someone and take on a man and score a worldie. And all right, yeah, sometimes it doesn't pay off and and it can be frustrating. But I, I sort of like the fact that that is his instinct. You know, he do- he's not been overcoached. What he wants to do is do the thing that we all want to do when we get a football of, of yeah, take on a player and try and try and score yeah. something and make something happen. So I think as an option, you know, he's not necessarily going to start every game, but as someone to bring off from the bench or someone to put in, you know, the old game um, here and there to, to give you a different option. I, I, I really like him. I think he sort of disappeared a little bit during the middle of the season and for understandable reasons when Coughlin came in and needed to just make make us hard to beat and grind out results. You know, weight perhaps isn't the, the player you turn to for that. But as our style starts to evolve a little more, I can see him fitting in in the right places. And I think that's what he's done in the last few games is just show when and how he can be a useful option and and have something to offer.
2: It's interesting. I've been starting to think about this midfield and how it might shape up next season. And I'm sure like once, once we get the old retained and release list come out um, in the next couple of weeks or whatever, uh, we'll, we'll have a, proper sit down and have a think about it but yeah he's definitely one i would say retain keep on keep on the books for next year and yeah like when when we're playing a little bit more expressive football like um something like we did at the weekend he's one that you kind of want on the pitch yeah it just depends really on who else who we who we can yeah. keep and who we can bring in um, but yeah, really, really sort of enjoyed watching him play at the weekend.
1: Well, I think that, yeah, this is some of the stuff we're going to discuss when we have our, our big end of season wrap up episode. So listeners, uh, keep yourselves subscribed and tuned uh, because we will have a full panel coming together to try and pick the bones out of the season as a whole and to yeah, talk about who to retain, who to release and so on. Um but um, we've got a few other bits of business that we need to talk about. So we've got Crew on Uncalled Holding Monday. I won't be there because it's, it's my mum's birthday. Um, but uh, I'm not sure which of the panel will be there, but we will we'll doubtless have someone. Um, I spoke with the, uh, the Crew Alexandra podcast uh, yesterday just to give them a bit of a match preview. It sounded to me, Jamie, as though... Mm. You know, we we sort of started off talking about it as a dead rubber and our both teams on the beach. I kind of weirdly feel that for Newport, there's a little bit of jeopardy because in theory, if we win and results go our way, we could, we could still finish top half, which is mad when we were 18th for what felt like a billion <laughs> years. Um, so the fact that we could now finish top half, and I was saying to them, I think that would be... Um, a real vindication for Copland. so I think he will want to do that because it will um, give him perhaps a bit more negotiating power in terms of asking the board for, for uh, budget for next season. Uh, and also, I think we because we need to get this monkey off our back with our home form and you know flog some season tickets. I think we will feel the pressure to go and get a win. Whereas I got the distinct impression from uh, our crew counterparts that this this is like the most dead rubber of dead rubbers to them, and they're they're not really. Um, expecting the team to go out pulling up trees. So I don't know, do you have any predictions for that? Yeah, game?
2: well, yeah, yeah, I was looking at the table as well. And yeah, it's it's surprisingly tight. Yeah, we could technically finish anywhere between 10th and 16th and crew are 16th at the moment. So it is like, it's a real six pointer in that respect. I don't know, I feel like the performances, um, you yeah, know, we've been putting in, you know, I think we've won three of the last five now. Um, yeah, I feel like we, we'd go into this match with a bit more, confidence um and it'd just be nice to yeah it would be lovely to finish top half i'm just looking at the table saturn are ahead of us but they've lost that last five so you feel like that's one position and then it's the likes of grimsby we've got wimbledon tramier are playing northampton so top half is a distinct possibility and i think the the air of positivity and confidence that you know i saw and felt throughout gillingham and at the end of the game as well you know the um yeah the the fans were in a buoyant mood. I feel yeah it could be a lovely yeah, I'm feeling positive about that one for sure
1: i I'm instinctively feeling positive, but then I keep remembering the number of home games this season that I've gone to, thinking oh, we're going to do this, and then um yeah, as part of that that terrible home form we've been talking about we we haven't i mean, I do feel really quite jealous this season of of you and Ian because you've been to you know a fair few away games between you and seen us get get wins, whereas for those of us who have season tickets and see most of our matches at home. It's been quite a frustrating season. And the, the, the couple of aways that I've done have been at like Carlisle and Stockport, where we got hammered in, in both. So um, we'll, we'll talk about it in the end of season wrap up, but I feel as though I've not seen the best of Newport I mean, County at all. You season. say that
2: Saturday was my first win of the season. So I've, I've had my fair share of um, drab Tuesday evening aways. Right. We're
1: going to do a few quick fire, things to finish up with so firstly we did have some off the pitch stuff with chris finn being appointed as um i can't try and remember the title now. it wasn't sporting director they, they said, head
2: of operations i think
1: head of football operations that was it and we were trying to work yeah. out what's in his job description that wasn't in darren kelly's and vice versa so i don't think he has the overs- oversight of the academy it seems very recruitment focused but it's um uh, subordinate i think to the manager rather than overseeing the manager so there's there's a slight difference i mean on the one hand, I was kind of thinking, didn't we basically just have Coughlin slagging off having... Yeah, that you was know, that weird in August, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 But this guy clearly is his mate and he trusts him. And uh, I mean, you know, if, if he thinks that he needs someone providing that kind of service, then who are we to argue? In, in Coco we trust and all that. But I don't know, what, what did you make of it? Because yeah, well, there was a disconnect a little bit between what we'd been told a few weeks previously.
2: Yeah, that that um that interview um was very strange um and yeah I think he's sort of saying some of some of the stuff we were doing like felt non league at times and a bit amateurish um and yeah I mean I don't I'll be honest I don't know too much about the the Chris Finn appointment or like what it's really going to look like in practice um but yeah I'm Cocker seems like the kind of manager who yeah wants to be involved in everything uh wants to really have a hand in every part of the club's operation so he will certainly have had a say and probably he would be someone yeah he he would have been the person to say, hey, we need to go out and get this person. Um so if that helps him um with the team and the day-to-day stuff and and you know the long-term vision that he's got for for our club, then albeit you have to support him. So
1: I guess ultimately, as as with Darren Kelly, we will we'll judge him on the signings that, that come in yeah. on, on his watch. So um yeah one to come back to. Um, player of the pod.
2: Ooh i have to you know what i'm gonna give it to omar omar bogle he's yeah. fantastic at the weekend um i loved it um he had a great game and uh yeah he had a real connect with the the away support as well um it was really um uplifting what about yourself
1: yeah i think i think the same you, you can't not give it to him in the, the form that he's been in recently so yeah omar bogle uh, the man of the moment uh shout out to all beefs jamie
2: yeah um I tell you what, one one shout out. I think this happens every year, but it's rare that I'm at the last away of the season. But at the end of the game, particularly with a, at a wither as well, the the entire team coming over, shaking hands with the fans, taking selfies. You know, it wasn't just a oh we'll go and applaud you for like twenty seconds and then get off the pitch. It was a real like it really felt like a proper connection between the the you know the the travelling contingent and the, and the. uh the, the, the team and, and also to the, the away fans generally. Like I said, I've, I've only done a few aways this season. I've not been to all 23 away games, um, but I'm sure there's at least one or two of them who have done every away mm-hmm. or, you know, it's a big group of people who do most of them. And fair play to League Two, particularly this season for a team in South Wales, it's a hard slog. So fair play yeah. to the fans for, for the away fans going to all of those games. Any beefs? Beefs? yeah you know there's one i was thinking i don't know whether to bring this up or not but um you know the, it was the end of the the season and we we're in that away that away stand the rickety stand where a couple of young lads ripping up the plastic chairs and taking <laughs> taking one home with them i don't know what they're going to do with those chairs Whether they put them under their arm they're not particularly good quality so but you know it i don't know why why are going to do that um it doesn't really paint us in a, in the best of lights um so yeah, a bit annoyed about that, but I don't know whether there's just some uh, overzealous um young fans getting a little bit excited at the end of the season
1: i have I have no beefs, but um it did occur to me that yeah this is my this will be my final uh, pod of the the season you know because I won't be a, a crew, so I did just want to say a quick thank you to um all the people who've been on and, and chatted with us because I think one of the differences this season from previous years on the pod is we've had a lot more uh listeners coming in and having a chat, which has been. Um, a real highlight for me, and I've really appreciated uh, and enjoyed chatting with uh, with listeners as we've been at games or after games. So um I, I, this is not a complete list, and so if I miss you off it, then sincere apologies, but thank you to um Esme, Ollie. Uh, Stu, Chris, um, Phil in Northampton, um, Dino, Simon, uh, and also some of the people who've just come and, you know, haven't necessarily been on the pod but have chatted with us when we've been in the pub before the game or um, sent us messages because it all helps us to work out what we think about stuff. So, you know, people like Tony, Tom, um, Sean, Kieran, Hamid, Paul, all the people who write really interesting stuff on uh, Twitter and elsewhere, um, it's always really good to get people's views and um it's i think made this season's uh, pod recordings really interesting so thank you to everyone who has contributed uh to to that through the season and if i've missed you off it's not a slight on my part it's just that i've got a dodgy memory because i'm an old man um so yeah the plan is we're going to convene the panel in the next few weeks to have a, a big end of season review and um, we're starting to develop a few ideas for some uh closed season special episodes we might do as well so keep yourselves uh subscribed through all the usual channels um and as always you can get in touch if you've got anything you would like to say or any suggestions for things we may want to talk about but i think that wraps it up so uh, thank you from me thank you jamie as well thank you uh and yeah look after yourselves look after each other and as always keep it county